Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash deathdyingpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is also brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at getbarkbox.com slash deathdyingpod. You're listening to the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Just a quick shout out to Daniel Smith for supporting the show on Patreon. It means a lot. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash death dying on other things. Any little bit helps. Now on to the show. I went to the doctor recently for a physical. I had a lot of questions for them. A lot of things have been bothering me recently, and I wanted to make sure they weren't serious. Things like random stomach aches and general tiredness. My seasonal allergy is getting worse and my muscles taking longer to recover. Nearly every question I asked, the doctor's response was, Yep, you're in your mid-30s now, so those things are going to start happening. It makes me laugh, but also makes me dread the future a little bit. It makes me want to take better care of myself, too, but it also kind of sucks I won't be able to house a burrito without getting heartburn anymore. Anyway, that's what I was thinking about when I wrote this month's episode. This month, on Death, Dying, and Other Things, a story about a broken arm. In Another Left, a man breaks his arm. Death and dying, the thresholds between this world and the next, the boundary between light and dark, the barrier between worlds, and that's where we're going. We are going into the shadows to bring you stories of horror and heartbreak. From the Modern Horrors Podcast Network, this is Death, Dying, and Other Things. I'm Justin Buskey. Stay with us. was broken. Adrian knew it as soon as it happened that it was broken. In the park with his friends throwing around a football. His friend's pass was a little off target and he jogged a few steps to get into position when his toe caught on the root of a nearby tree. While he was in the air, falling to the earth, it seemed to Adrian that he had minutes to contemplate his life and he tried to remember the last time he took a tumble like this. High school, probably. From a skateboard, most likely. Adrian, in the five or so minutes it took for him to hit the ground, tucked his left arm into his chest and extended his right arm to break his fall. His fingers sank into the cool grass. His hand bent awkwardly and he landed most of his weight on his forearm. He heard the crunch, felt the searing pain, then the rush of adrenaline and sprang up off the ground. You gotta take me to the hospital, Adrian said, cradling his right arm with his left. I broke my arm. You sure? His friend Dan asked. 
You sure? His friend Dan asked. You sure you didn't just sprain it? I'm sure, Adrian said, looking down at the way his forearm now bent slightly. The repair, as Adrian took to calling it, as if his body was a car that had been in a fender bender and simply needed a little hammering back into shape and a new coat of paint, was done quickly. The doctors reset the bone and slapped a cast on his arm. Adrian chose white, but on the drive home regretted not getting something brighter for fear of looking immature at work. He realized too late the fact that he had a cast on his arm at all would probably do that work on its own. The cast was on for a very long time by Adrian's reckoning, and it was much more of a hindrance now in his adult years than it was the last time he had a cast in his childhood. Adrian was right-handed, and so most things that were simple without a cast on became tricky with his left hand. The worst part was showering, having to wrap his arm in plastic bags so that the cast didn't get wet and deform, holding it outside of the shower to be doubly sure, and washing his hair with his left hand. When the cast came off, Adrian was alarmed to see that his right arm was now half the size of his left arm. Atrophy, his doctor told him. Atrophy? Adrian asked in response. It's when you don't use the muscles so they get smaller, his doctor explained. I know what atrophy means. How did my muscle shrink so much in just a few months, Adrian asked. Well, it has a lot to do with lifestyle and activity level, too. Do some light exercise with it over the coming weeks and it'll bounce back. You're still young, the doctor said. Yeah, Adrian said, looking at his arm. For now, at least, the doctor said, laughing at his own joke. He slapped Adrian on the back and opened the door to the exam room. Call me if you have any problems with it, the doctor said, before hurrying down the hall and out of sight. Adrian sat on the couch later that night. The TV was on, but he wasn't watching. Jenna, his girlfriend, on the other end of the couch, noticed him clenching and releasing his fist over and over. What are you doing over there? she asked. Adrian looked over at her, then back at his right hand. Feels so weak, like I can't even pick up a pencil to write with. I can barely make a fist, see? Well, it'll be better in a couple weeks. Isn't that what the doctor said? Jenna asked. Yeah, but Adrian trailed off. He found that trying to find the words to describe the ways he was feeling exceptionally hard lately. But what? I don't know. It's strange. I feel so old, so suddenly, he said. Because of the arm thing, she asked. Not just the arm thing. I mean, it doesn't help, he said. Yeah, I get that. You're not old, though, Jenna said. I know I'm not. I didn't say that I'm old. I just feel it. Well, we can change that, Jenna said, reaching over to touch Adrian's leg. Adrian nodded and balled up his fist once more. 
At 3 a.m., Adrian's eyes opened and he slipped out of bed, careful not to wake Jenna. His right arm hung heavy at his side. Thinking he must have slept on it wrong and put the limb to sleep, he shook it, trying to get the blood to flow back down to his fingertips. His forearm and hand tingled with each jolt, and then he howled out like a wounded animal. After a particularly vigorous shake, he felt something grind in his shoulder, like suddenly the joint had been filled with sand. Then he felt it pop out of place, and his right hand swung like a heavy pendulum at his side. Jenna bolted up out of bed. What happened? I don't know, Adrian cried. I think I just dislocated my shoulder. Well, it's not dislocated, the doctor at the hospital said to Adrian. What? Jenna asked, looking from the doctor to Adrian and back to the doctor. What were you doing when this injury occurred, the doctor asked. I was just shaking my arm back and forth. Because you had fallen asleep on it, right, the doctor said. He looked at both Adrian and Jenna in turn. You're sure? Yes, Adrian said. Okay, the doctor said, flipping on the light box on the wall next to Adrian and sliding x-rays onto it. The end of your humerus, the part of your arm bone that attaches to your elbow, has broken off. The doctor pointed to a very obvious break in Adrian's bone. How? Adrian asked. I don't know. You tell me, the doctor said. The room fell silent. Okay. You're going to need surgery. For some pins. A nurse will be in here shortly to prep you. Adrian came to slowly and found that he couldn't move most of his body. He searched the room and found Jenna on a nearby chair, head in her hands. Hey, he croaked. Hey, she said. I can't move, he said. I know. Let's wait for the doctor. They'll explain it, she said. Adrian closed his eyes again and drifted off, and in the next moment his eyes were open and looking at the doctor. Jenna stood nearby. By the look on the doctor's face, he understood that the news he was about to receive probably wasn't good. Hey, Doc, Adrian said. Adrian, there were some complications during surgery, the doctor said. What kind of complications, he asked, still reeling from both the anesthesia and the realization that his life was probably about to change in some major ways. We opened up your shoulder and started to place the pins that were going to hold your bone together. Each time we tried to insert a pin, the bone splintered, shattered like glass. By the time we tried only twice to get a pin inserted into your humerus, the part that had broken off had turned to dust. A slurry, actually. I've, um, never seen anything like it. We're calling in a specialist, but we're going to have to move you to another part of the hospital temporarily. We don't know. The doctor trailed off, unable to find the words to describe to Adrian what was happening to him. 
Adrian looked past the doctor to Jenna and saw that she was crying. It's okay. It's going to be okay, he said. Jenna nodded and gently wiped her sleeve under her nose. It's spreading to the other nearby bones. Some kind of infection, the doctor said. I don't know. Like I said, we're calling in a specialist. I'll give you a bit of time to recover, and then we'll move you. You'll be able to walk. Your legs are fine for now. The doctor walked out of the room, and Jenna creeped to the side of the bed and sat near Adrian. He tried to reach out to touch her, but realized his right arm was completely useless. He couldn't feel it at all, couldn't move it. Jenna saw him struggling and placed her hand on his. Her hand was incredibly warm to the touch, and it soothed Adrian for a moment. He closed his eyes. Jenna sniffled. It's going to be okay, Adrian said, eyes still closed. Are you in any pain? Jenna asked. Nah, I think they got me pretty drugged up, he said. He opened his eyes and saw Jenna looking down at his dead arm. The room he was in seemed to have opened up, become a bit more spacious. Did they move me after the surgery? Adrian asked. Just back here, Jenna said. No, I mean to a different room, Adrian said. Jenna shook her head. The doctor returned to the room with a nurse by their side. Jenna's eyes shot to the door. Wait, already? she asked. Adrian was surprised by the panic in her voice. Afraid so, the doctor said. Adrian turned to Jenna and said, I'm fine. I can walk. The nurse walked to Adrian's bedside and helped him to his feet. Jenna hurried to his side and tried to support him. He shrugged both of them off and walked a few steps without much issue. See, he said. His arm was another story. The cast around his upper body encased his chest and most of his right arm. His right wrist and hand hung heavy out of the end of the cast. He tried to clench his fist, but something kept the electrical signals sent by his brain from reaching his fingers. Where to? Adrian asked. He took another step forward and now realized how far the door was. At least another ten steps, when just a moment ago it seemed he was almost to the hallway. On the other side of the hospital, the doctor said, checking Adrian's chart. He grabbed the pen from his coat pocket and scribbled a few notes. I'll lead you there. The doctor led Adrian, Jenna, and the nurse out into the hallway, where they took a left turn. The hospital's hallway was long and filled with doors that doctors and nurses and visitors and patients were entering and exiting with frequency. This way, the doctor said. He led Adrian to the end of the hall, where they took another left. How much further is this room? he asked the doctor. A bit further, the doctor said. Behind him, Adrian could hear Jenna's soft sniffling turn to sobs. The hallway before them seemed to stretch on for far too long, and as they journeyed forward, the hospital became less populated with other people. They reached the end of the second hallway, and the doctor turned left for a third time.
This is a large hospital, Adrian said. It is, the doctor said as they walked through yet another hallway. It doesn't look this big on the outside, Adrian said. I find the eyes can play tricks on you, the doctor said. Toward the end of this hallway, there were no longer people entering and exiting the rooms. No doctors, nurses, visitors, or patients. Adrian glanced into these rooms and saw that there were people in the beds, but they did not move, though the machines around them whirred and beeped. The doctor took another left into another hallway. The paint in this wing of the hall was peeling, and there was a smell. Adrian raised his left hand to his face and placed his finger just below his nose to filter some of the stench. He looked in the rooms here, and the beds were empty. Where are you taking me? Adrian asked. Not much further, the doctor said as they took another left. Here, the floor of the hallway pitched down. Not much, perhaps two or three degrees, but it was enough for Adrian to feel he was walking downhill. The doorways into empty rooms became more rare. Jenna began sobbing terribly. Adrian looked back at her and saw she had buried her head in her hands and was walking blind, able to navigate without seeing in front of her. The doctor took another left. Adrian glanced at the nurse and had to do a double-take at first. The nurse's face had twisted and was twisting more with each passing second. The center of the nurse's face had become like a spiral, and all of the nurse's features stretched and plunged into the hole in the center of their head. Nearly there, the doctor said as they took another left. Adrian sped up to keep stride with the doctor and saw their face had undergone changes too. Their eyes had faded away, and they now walked these halls seemingly by instinct. Another left. There were no more doorways, no more empty rooms, no paint, no windows, no fluorescent lights, just dark, dingy, concrete corridors. Another left. Ah, here we are, the doctor said. In front of Adrian was a large steel hatch in the floor. It was warm here, perhaps a little too warm. Sweat was beating on Adrian's forehead, but that was a welcome change from the cold he'd been feeling since he woke up from surgery. Adrian was struggling to understand. He looked at the nurse whose face had twisted into a spiral, and the doctor without eyes who was now feeling along the outside of the hatch. He looked back at Jenna, whose hands covered her sobbing face. The doctor without eyes unlatched the large steel door and with the help of the nurse whose face had twisted into a spiral, heaved the hatch open. Adrian stared down into what had been revealed, a concrete staircase disappearing into a darkness that Adrian could not fathom the depths of. This is your new room, said the doctor without eyes. Adrian shook his head. I don't want to stay here, Adrian said. I think I'd like to check myself out. It's too late for that, said the doctor without eyes. Adrian turned. Jenna, he said. 
You have to, said Jenna, through her sobs and cupped hands. The nurse, whose face had twisted into a spiral, moved between Adrian and Jenna and motioned to Adrian with an open hand the descent that awaited him. There must be some mistake, Adrian said. No mistake, the doctor without eyes said. Adrian felt the nurse whose face had twisted into a spiral place their hand on his back and impel him forward. No mistake, the doctor without eyes repeated. This is your new room. Adrian looked down into the darkness, unable to see past the first few steps. He swallowed, took a deep breath, and placed his foot on the first step, descending into the void. This episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things was produced and edited by me, Justin Buskey. The story, Another Left, was written by me too. You can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Buskey. Intro and outro music is by the prolific Eric Warnke. Check him out on SoundCloud. Special thanks to Getting Older. Death, Dying, and Other Things is a member of the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Check out all the other shows. They're great. New episodes the second Thursday of every month. This has been Death Dying on Other Things, and I've been your host, Justin Buskey. Stay out of the shadows. <laughs>